Hi, good morning, church. Um, my name is Jazz, and I've been going to Park for about a year and a half. Um, I've been with Hyde Park for about half a year, and I'll be reading scripture today for you guys. Um, we're going to be reading Luke uh, 5.12. So Jesus cleanses a leper. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Much better. I'm from the South. You got to be a little bit more animated for me. Otherwise, I'm going to take it personally. Um, My name is Thomas. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the elders here at Park Community Church. And it is a joy to be diving into this text with you this morning. Thank you, Jess, for for reading it for us. And um, as we kind of as we go through this, as we've been going through the book of Luke, and we dive into what appears to be a very short, short section. We only have four verses that we're going to go through. It seems like almost a simple story of a miraculous healing that Jesus does. But uh, I, I, I want us to remind us that at the very beginning of our sermon series on Luke, and you can go back on this, this is available if you want to take a look, uh, of Noah introducing the topic of Luke with us. I want us to remind us that Luke wrote this gospel with intent, with purpose, and with meaning. He doesn't just put together all these stories and kind of toss it in like a salad and hopes that it works out. But Luke was known for being a doctor, for being a historian, and even having an intended audience to this story that he's reading. And he has meaning in it. So the question that I want to bring up as we kind of dive into the story is why? Why did Luke choose to share this specific healing? We see in other sections, even just previously, one chapter before, if you go to a page before, in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus heal a man with an unclean demon inside him. And then we see him heal Simon Peter's mother-in-law. But especially at the end of chapter 4, in verses 40 and 41, it says this, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had had any, any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. So here we see a massive amount of people coming to Jesus and being healed. 
uh, whether it's sickness, injuries, demon possession, they're all coming and having these miracles take place. Yet, those are just two sentences. There's not too much detail about the actual individual healings there. Yet, G- yet Luke chooses to tell this specific story. Why? What makes this more special than other circumstances that make it worthy of the paper that it's being written on? I think Luke recognizes that this situation was more than just a miraculous healing, but that Jesus addressed something deeper inside of this man. And I want us to break up today's message by addressing the three main components of what any story has. The problem, the solution, and the response. So we're going to break that up very simple. It's going to be right in the order as we read it. It's going to be easy for us to go through problem, solution, and response. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to pray again, pray for our time together, and then we will dive into this message, um, into this text as we go through it. Let's pray. God, we we do thank you, God, that uh, the truth is that any interaction that you have with us is not uncommon. It's not just rudimentary, but it's something special. It's something significant. And that's just as true of this story that we're reading this morning. As small and as simple as it may appear, God, we know that you have something to teach us today. God, speak to us. Speak through me, God. May it be you. May it be you and your spirit moving in this space. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for our church community that we have to dive into this, to wrestle with this together. God, we just ask that you please be with us this morning. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, guys, if it's all right, we're going to just dive right into it. We're going to dive into what is the problem that this man is dealing with. You think it's pretty obvious, right? But we're going we're gonna to dive into it nevertheless. Verse 12, it says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So our story begins with a man being described as full of leprosy. Now, I want to be clear, leprosy at this time was a very general term to kind of define a lot of different skin diseases, not just specifically the leprosy, the Hansen's disease that we now know it to be. Uh, It might have been that case. Uh, Obviously, for this individual, whatever ailment he may have had, it was clearly all over his body as as it was described, so had a severe affliction on him. So whatever technical disease it was, it might have been literal leprosy, but it might have been something more as a general skin condition. It was serious and it was widespread. And this would have had a major impact on his life. We're not talking about just the physical act of a skin disease, but it had bigger ramifications for him and his life. Being Jewish This man's life would have been completely rocked by his skin condition. The Jewish law was very clear and had very strict restrictions and regulations for anybody that had leprosy. 
And if you want to do some really fun reading, you can actually read about it in the book of Leviticus, in the book of the law, chapters 13 and 14, where it dives into the rules, the processes of determining what skin condition is good and bad, and how to heal yourself, and how to determine if something is okay. I won't go through the whole chapters with you, but I I do want to mention two specific verses that would have had a major effect on this man who was deemed to be leprous. And that's in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And you can read it with me. This is what it says. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling will be outside the camp. So by law, if you were found to be leprous as this man was, you wouldn't be allowed to wear nice clothes. There's no shopping for the latest, latest fashion. There's no wearing specific clothing to maybe hide your disease or ailment. None of that. No brushing your hair to make yourself more presentable. Uh, your uncleanliness was meant to be as public as possible by the law. Talk about some heavy HIPAA violations here, okay? Like, they were seriously, uh, they were serious about making sure that if you had a skin condition, that it was public. Not only that, but your entire life would be changed and would be over. No more going home to spend time with your family. You were required to live outside of the camp or outside of even the city walls. You are deemed unclean and you have to make make it public as well as you walk around anywhere yelling unclean unclean so that little children can frighten away from you and hit in in shock and in horror i know for a lot of us this harkens back almost to our times during the pandemic concerns of others, worrying about getting disease, separating ourselves from society in order to protect others, trying to do our best as we are dealing with an unknown disease. But imagine that the contagious period wasn't just the two weeks that we had to experience and the difficulty of that, but months, years until your condition fully subsided. You know, on the surface, we may read this story as a physical illness that Jesus heals, but there are deeper issues that this man is experiencing firsthand. Jesus doesn't just deal with the surface issue, but he deals with, and he doesn't just deal with surface issues with us either. Jesus wants to get to root problems that you are experiencing in your life. And this morning, I want to propose that this man, one of the issues that he really was dealing with was issues of isolation. He was isolated in three very specific ways. I think the first and the clearest isolation period was that this man experienced physical isolation. The man wasn't to be touched. He wasn't allowed to be around others and was forced to live alone. You know, even for those of you who I would say maybe are a little averse 
to the concept of physical touch. You, there's very formal process and you don't like being touched by too many other people. I know for my family, that's not the case. But I understand that there's different upbringings, there's different people who have different postures, and I understand that. But even if you don't like physical touch, losing all physical touch would be an extreme step that, could not, that would not only affect your lack of community, but could have an effect on you physically and mentally. A good example of this is in 1994, a Harvard neurologist, Mary Carlson, and her husband, a Harvard psychiatrist, Felton Earls, they traveled to Romania to study and report on children and institutions in that country. And the reason why is because there was reports about these institutions that were very harsh on the children It wasn't that their physical needs weren't being met. In fact, it was evidence that there was. They were all being fed. They were all getting their diaper changed. They were all provided cleaning. But because of the amount of children and the lack of support, most of these children were deprived from their social needs of care and physical touch of a loved one. In 1997, these two, prof- these two doctors posted their results in a research called Psychological and Neuro-Intercanonical Sequel of Early Social Deprivation in Institutionalized Children in Romania. If you want to save that, make sure to look that up, okay? And what they found was that touch-deprived children had strikingly lower cortisol and growth development levels for their age group compared to other children who would have experienced normal physical touch and interaction with a care provider. Physical touch was mentally and physically changing their course. This study, along with many others, is just affirming that touch has an impact on one's physical and mental well-being. And unfortunately for this man that we see in this story, he was being prevented from having that opportunity for touch. Separation, isolation. Secondly, there was the relational isolation that he had to experience. Separated from his friends, from his family, from his culture, a leprous individual will be forced outside of the city walls and be prone to the elements. Imagine being sick having a disease and no longer having your support system around you to help you through it. Imagine being separated from them and not being able to talk with them and discuss what is going on. I'm sure he would have been able to perhaps see his family if his family was willing to dare the elements and dare to go outside the city walls where thieves and robbers kind of thrived but he would not be able to talk to them from a short close up. He'd have to do it at a distance. He'd have to continue to declare himself unclean. There would be no embracing, only small conversations. You were relationally cut off because you were because ev- if even you were able to enter someone's home, that home would then be considered unclean and require a priest to come in to, to cleanse it and make it ceremonial clean. This man, in fact, in this story, was breaking rules by approaching Jesus himself. He was taking quite a risk to approach a rabbinical ra- a rabbi to come up and approach him asking for such a request. 
he was taking this risk. You know, I can't help but think of, uh, of my family at this point. I've got uh, two amazing daughters and my loving wife. And uh, just this past week, we had parent-teacher conferences for my two daughters in elementary school. That went well. Nobody got in trouble. The, one of the comments that we got, though, was, in, I know this might come as a shock to you, was that they like to talk. My daughters like to talk. And for any of you who have maybe shared a meal with us or spent time with us, you can affirm that reaction with my daughters and with my wife. I know for me, I don't get a lot of talk at the dinner table. Usually what happens, I just have a starter question and by the time they're done talking, the meal's over. And so for me, uh, I kind of like the times that I do get alone time or time away where it's not too much conversation. But even for myself, I can't imagine what it would be like to be separated from them, to not to be able to share a meal with them anymore, not to hear about what happened in gym class that day, what happened in the playground. I'm separated my relationship with them is forever severed because of a skin condition, because of a disease. We don't know much about the story of this man. There's no background. We don't even get a name. But he is relationally cut off from anyone that he ever knew or cared about. Lastly, this man had to deal with spiritual isolation. With this long-standing disease, this man would be considered unclean and therefore he would, be not, he would not be permitted to enter the synagogue and participate in any religious services. I want to make something clear, so I, I know you might think this is obvious, but this predates Gutenberg inventing the printing press in 1440. It predates Steve Jobs coming out with the amazing iPhone. So there was no such thing as a personal Bible. There was scrolls of scripture that would be kept in your local temple to read God's word, which most likely didn't have even the entire Old Testament, but just certain sections of it. You couldn't listen to the reading of scripture anymore in the temple because you weren't allowed in. You couldn't have your iPhone to download the latest sermon on, your, on Spotify to be able to listen to it if you missed out on Sunday morning. There was no worship playlist that he got to listen to to feel like he was in the presence of others. He was cut off from the opportunity to learn and grow in his faith with God within his community and with God's word. But even more than just worshiping community and having resources to grow in, grow in his faith, he was deemed unclean, impure, there was a barrier between him and God now that he was nothing that he could do to fix it. He was separated. Isolation. Physical, relational, spiritual. This man was alone. Yes, this man was struggling with a physical ailment, the leprosy, the leprous skin condition. However, his problems ran much deeper. He was isolated and left to himself. Jesus chooses to address not just his physical needs, but the real needs, the real needs that he has as well. I just want to take a quick moment uh, this morning that if you are going through a period of isolation, 
you're feeling alone, you're feeling separated from others, I want you to know that you are not alone. God is here. He is present. He is active. He is for you. We're going to find that out later in this story. And if you need help, please let us as a church community come around you and help you. Please let us serve you. Help us know so that we can reach out to you. Okay? All right, before we move on, I do want to make a quick note and look at the approach of the man to Jesus. If we look real quickly at that second half, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So first, this man falls on his face, a symbol of reverence and honor to Jesus, giving Jesus the proper authority. You know, by falling on your face, you don't see anything around you. It's full submission to the person that you're bowing down to. And that's what he does. He's, he submits to Jesus. Secondly, I, I love the way that he poses the question. It, it's, he doesn't question Jesus's capability of healing, and he doesn't question his power, if you will. No, he knows Jesus is able to do it. The question is, is Jesus willing to? He didn't question Jesus's character, just his will. And Jesus has an amazing response. All right, so we see the problem. Let's look at the great solution. Verses 13 and 14. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. You know, Jesus addresses the three problems of isolation each in three simple acts, in compassion, transformation, and in compliance. The first is the compassion of Jesus. Jesus touches the man. Let me repeat that. He touches the man. The barrier of physical distance is broken. Jesus breaks through. I can only imagine the reaction of the audience and the crowd around this situation when they, say, when they see Jesus, this new rabbi, coming out and touching what was considered impure and unclean. You know, Jesus was already gathering quite a reputation for himself of being this spiritual massive leader. Just in the last chapter, we see different stories. Luke 4.15, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Verse 32, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Verses 36 and 37, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word for his authority and power? He commands the unclean spirits and they come out and reports about him went out in every place in the surrounding region. Jesus taught with power and authority. He was the transformation transformational figure who represented God's presence as he went around these towns preaching God's message talking about the holiness of God 
And this holy man himself, who most would consider to be as far away from impurity and uncleanliness as anybody ever could, would step in and physically touch the very skin that was separating this man from every other aspect of his life. But Jesus wasn't making himself unclean. He was declaring this man clean with his touch. And the man became clean. The leprosy left. Evil and the results of evil flee when they come into contact with the creator of the universe. The one who never desired sin to reign. Who never wanted the world to be in its fallen state like it was. Or diseases like this to be present. You know, the situation that brought it all about is from the very beginning with Adam and Eve and their failure in the garden that brought this all about sin, depravity, disease, and destruction. Jesus, the second Adam, has come to make all things right. And in this story, Jesus is making all things new. After Jesus heals the man, he gives him two very specific commands to fix the relational and the spiritual isolation that this man was going through. Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. He shows, he needs to show himself to the priest in order to be declared clean. Once the priest would see that the leprosy was gone, he would be able to rejoin society. His relational isolation would be over because he would be permitted to re-enter society, to go into his home, to reunite with his family and friends. And then secondly, he was told to make an offering to cover up the uncleanliness of the disease. This is all described in Leviticus 14 if you want to read about it. But he would make a sacrifice to cover his impurity, making his relationship with God right, breaking down that barrier that was separating him. And although the sacrifice was in the law of Moses, the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus himself who touched the man and made him ceremonially and physically clean. Jesus changes everything. So problem, solution, what's this man's response? What is the response that we see at the very end? Verses 15 and 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I also want to include a small little verse that Mark, another gospel writer, he adds to this story. One verse that I, I want to add to it because I think it helps create context of well, why, does, why does this report about Jesus grow? And this is in Mark chapter 1 verse 45. Same story he says, but he, he being the leprous man, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but he was out in desolate places and the people were coming to hear him every quarter. 
This helps to clarify a little bit why Luke shares that great crowds started gathering around him. Even outside of towns and on the outskirts in the wilderness, crowds of people would come, would make a trek to see Jesus, the rabbi who taught with authority and power and was able to heal people. This man's life was forever changed. More than just a simple act of healing, he came into, God, into contact with God in flesh. He couldn't help it. God's transformation in his life was too great that he couldn't help but share it with others. Even as Jesus commanded him not to tell people, he can't help himself. He's got to start sharing what God has done in his life. It reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament when he talks about trying to hold in the message of God. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, it says this, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more of his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, and indeed I cannot. I imagine that this is similar to what this leprous man who is no longer leprous is feeling. I can't help but share what God has done in my life with every single person that I come into contact with. I am sure his disciple, I'm sure that as his, he was growing and more of his life was taking place, Jesus had this opportunity to start building on this platform. As we see all these people coming to Christ, crowds growing, I'm sure his disciples had an idea of what they thought should be taking place. Man, pretty soon we're going to be able to take over Jerusalem. You know, pretty soon we're probably going to start a revolt against the Roman Empire. We're going to start this new kingdom because this guy is the real deal. But what does Jesus do instead? What do we see when we see lives being transformed, messages being received, people coming to him? Jesus chooses to take a step back, step away from the crowd and take time away to be with God. This isn't isolation from the world. It's a time of solitude with God. The verbs in this last verse, to withdraw and to pray, in the original Greek that this is written in, it's actually an imperfect tense. And what that means is it's in the past tense, but it's an ongoing continual action. So it's kind of hard for us to describe in English. So what Luke is trying to communicate is that Jesus was regularly withdrawing and praying. This is not a one-time action where he heals the guy and then goes off, but it's a continual action of throughout his life and throughout his ministry, Jesus was continually trying to get away, trying to spend time praying and dedicating significant time with God. It didn't matter how demanding the rest of his life was. The crowds following him, the disciples trying to learn, the Pharisees and Sadducees attempting to attack him and thwart his efforts and catch him going against God's word. He would still always make time for God. So it's amazing to see these two different responses, one by the man being transformed and can't help but sharing about God and Jesus, and Jesus himself being so thankful, but then stepping away to withdraw and spend time with God. You know, as we close our time together this morning, I want to challenge you to think about this story and to put yourself in it. 
I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty positive nobody in here has leprosy, so that's a good thing. But I still think there are things that we can learn from the story of how God is reaching and affecting our lives today. And I have three applications for us that I think we should look at and implement in our own lives. The first is this, is that Jesus gives more than what we think and what we want, but provides what we need. As, as you notice, the physical healing of this man's skin was, and forgive the, forgive the pun here, surface level. But de- dealing with the levels of isolation in his life, making the impurity and separation from God disappear was what Jesus knew that this man truly needed. How many times do we think we know what we really need in our lives? You know, if I only got into that program that I've been applying to, that's going to really set me up for the future. If only my boss would give me that promotion that I've been, pl- been working towards. If only I finally had a girlfriend. If I could just afford to get that car to help me get by. But God knows what we really need. Maybe he knows that by taking on that promotion, it's going to prevent you from choosing to apply to a position that's more ideally suited for you. Maybe God sees that if you had a girlfriend now, you are not in a place to be able to treat them in the way that God would want you to. There is so much more to our lives that we don't see and are unaware of that God is working in. God doesn't miss anything. I know there may be times when you are praying, you're saying, why isn't God providing what I know that I need? The truth is that God is providing what you need, whether you know it or you don't. He is working in you. I want to challenge you that if you find yourself asking God for something, that you go about it in a similar way that this man with leprosy did, with reverence, in submission, and with confidence in God. The man came to Jesus with respect, understanding Jesus' authority. He addressed him fully face down, submitting himself to Jesus. Whatever Jesus says, he would follow. Is that the posture that you are addressing Jesus with? And lastly, he addressed him not questioning who he was, not questioning his character or his power, just his will. God, what is your will? What is your will for my life? How are you addressing Jesus in your prayers, in your time with him? Are you addressing Jesus as Lord? Are you addressing him as your servant? And there is a significant difference between the two. The second application for us is that Jesus's presence in your life is worth sharing. Jesus may not have healed your leprosy, but he has dealt with the greatest problem in your life, that you are far worse off than you think you are. Sin is in your life, and it's present. You may not think it's a big deal. Maybe you don't even want to acknowledge that it's a problem at all, but it is that sin that is like a leprosy on your skin. It is keeping you separated from God. And Jesus, with his sacrifice on the cross, was coming down to earth and reaching into our lives, isolated by the sin in our own lives, and touching us by the hand and healing us of our disease of sin. Jesus has forever changed my life, and he has changed yours by his actions. 
That is not something small. It is something that is not something to be ignored, but it is huge and makes an impact on every aspect of your life. That is why this man in the story couldn't be keep quiet, even at the request of Jesus himself. When you experience Jesus firsthand, when you start really comprehending what he has done in your life, it becomes natural to share Jesus about about him and what he has done for you in your life and with your friends and your family as well. Jesus becomes the center of your life, no matter who or who you talk to or what you talk about. Jesus changes everything. And when you really experience him for the first time, you're going to see it yourself, that it is worth sharing. Lastly, there is always time to spend with God. I know for us, many of you in this, in this room have busy lives. There's so much going on. You're juggling so many balls in the air. But there is always time to spend with God. I know you're busy, but you aren't as busy as what Jesus was. And Jesus still made time to withdraw and pray. If Jesus, was, if Jesus knew that that was what he needed Man, is it what we need for. It's what we should be striving for to spend more time with our loving God. God is waiting, wanting to share this life with you. And too often we just ignore this precious time to go about our own agendas, our own task, our own life, and ignoring what's most important. This morning, I really want to focus on that, and we're going to get an opportunity here in just a little bit as we approach the communion table. Let's take that time and approach God. So again, just the three things I really want you to take is that Jesus has fixed your life. He has transformed you. It's worth sharing that he knows what you need in your life and that he wants to spend time with you. Are you making time for him? May we do that this morning as we follow in the footsteps of this man and celebrate what God has done in our lives. Let's pray. God, we